0: Overtime Heroics. Join the forums for free at OvertimeHeroics.com. Rise Up Podcast Community. bit.ly slash Rise Up Pod Community. It's episode 101 of The Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Welcome to another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Opening theme from Music Radio Creative. Visit the com slash podcast to listen on your favorite podcasting platform. Now for our host, Lee W. Mowen. Welcome back, sports fans, to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, talking Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports, with a little touch of pro-Columbus, Ohio sports mixed in, because why not? Anyway, sorry about being absent last week. Still kind of reeling over how episode 100 turned out. I wasn't very happy with it, and plus, there's no live interaction so I uh, there was a part of me last week that thought about just quitting the podcast altogether but the majority side of me told that side of me to shut up so here we are episode 101 it's going to be a quick episode just catching you up on everything it would have been nice if I had an episode last week because Dayton Ohio was home of the hottest minor league baseball team in the United States. Had the longest winning streak of any team out there. And it ended at 10. And now it's the All-Star break. I'm talking about the Dayton Dragons. The first half is over with. A very tough first half. And so tough, in fact, that only one only one Dayton Dragon got to go to the All-Star game. Which is tonight in South Bend, Indiana. That would be catcher Pavel Manzanero. He actually had a pretty good half. Solid bat, solid defense behind the plate when it gets a chance behind the plate, but mostly as the first baseman, sometimes as the DH, shares the catching duties with Jay Skyler, who also has a pretty good bat, and also Morgan Lostrom, whose bat has caught on fire as of late. The Dayton Dragons, as I mentioned in previous episodes, uh, not a great first half. Had a really solid string of 10 straight wins, including two sweeps and four series wins. The Dragons finished 7th out of an 8-team Eastern Division, out of a 16-team Midwest League. Dragons finished 28-42 and 42 overall, which is good enough for a 40% winning percentage. Did lose their last game of the first half and the last series of the first half at Great Lakes, who was the first team to clinch a spot in the playoffs for the Eastern Division. What's fun about that streak is the Dragons finished their last 10-7-3, much like Great Lakes, and only two of our teams had similar marks, and only one team had an 8-2 mark, that'd be Cedar Rapids. Dragons really started to gel after Miles Gordon was sent back down to Dayton. Uh, Miles Gordon's one of the prospects in the Cincinnati Reds system. Good bat, good defense in the outfield for now the Dragons. Suffered a bad injury last year that knocked him out of competition after two months and was swinging. A 439 bat at one point has cooled off since then. But until what would it be? The at Great Lakes series, the Dragons did not lose with Gordon in the lineup. So having that exciting bolt of energy definitely helped. Like I mentioned, ten straight wins, including a series sweep at West Michigan. They're the Tigers affiliate. And a four-game sweep of the Fort Wayne 10-Caps at home, the single A of San Diego. And a series win against the same West Michigan Whitecaps. Before that, the Dragons picked up a two-game series win at home against South Bend, the Cubs affiliate. What is in store for the second half? Well, right now, as we quickly stroll through the league transactions... And find out if Cincinnati made any moves up or down. And a quick look will tell me no. There is a lot of transactions. And it's not just based on one team. There was one Cincinnati one, As third baseman Mario Batista is with the AZL. That's Arizona League Reds on a rehab assignment. He should be back in Dayton maybe not this home series against Lansing but possibly next week. I think this Dragons team can compete. And if you're wondering why I'm saying a 28 and 42 team can compete for the playoffs, well to tell you a little bit about the Midwest League, once the two teams which is Great Lakes, the Dodgers Single A, and Cleveland's Lake County captains, they have clinched spots, meaning they can't double clinch. They can have the best record in that second half as well, but they can't clinch two spots. I think there's a minor league baseball league that does that, but I don't know who off the top of my head, which if you double clinch means you just get the bye and you wait for the next opponent but it's not how it works in midwest league so great lakes and lake county can't get another playoff spot they got their one that means the field is down franchise they're a solid farm system and tampa bay is having a solid year as well not sure if they can get over the hurdle of what's the new york yankees and the boston red Sox, not too far behind but tampa bay does a nice job with the farm system bowling green was a game and a half out of the wild card spot where Lake County picked that up. I think if the Dragons can play solid baseball like they did the last, what would that be, 10 games? That's 7-3. and three, I think the Dragons can compete. It really depends on who gets sent up, down. It's not really a sideways option, but you get my drift. It just really depends on the transactions and how those happen. I think the Dragons can compete if you keep the if you keep the core Miles Gordon, Michael Ciani, he's really caught fire with Michael with Miles Gordon. Michael Ciani has. His younger brother was picked up by the Pittsburgh Pirates in the draft, by the way. But I think if everyone starts to hit and we'll see how the drafts the draft picks move up. The Greenville Reds seem to have most of Cincinnati's picks compared to Billings, which Billings just got swept in their first game, and Greenville's not set to start season until tonight, actually. And the roster was just released. If Dayton can keep their positive momentum going, they can compete. They can possibly get one of those two spots in the Eastern Division. But we'll see. Pitching needs to improve. There's been a couple that have shined, but there's been a couple that have relapsed. And one of the most reliable relievers, actually, was responsible for giving up most of the eight runs that West Michigan scored in the top of the eighth to break Dayton's 10-game winning streak. The longest by the Dragons. You have to go back to 2002 when Dayton rattled off 13 wins in a row. So Dayton got close. I think that's the third best streak that the Dragons have ever had in their time in Dayton, Ohio. That's not counting their time in Rockford, Illinois. But I like to see what this Dragons team can do in the second half. A quick start is required. You can't relapse like the Dragons did. And in fact, that sweep at West Michigan was the first time in two months that Dayton wasn't in last place. I, I think the Dragons will do better, but we'll see. In case you're curious about the Western Division, the Quad Cities River Bandits, despite not really having a lot of games at home sweet home Davenport, Iowa, because of the Mississippi River flooding into the ballpark, Quad Cities 43-23. and 23. That is a half game better than Great Lakes. Houston does a very nice job as well. In fact... Quad Cities, they've had the Cardinals, and they also had... Wait, did they have the Cardinals? Yeah, they had the Cardinals, because Peoria at that time was the Chicago Cubs. And now they have Houston, and both farm systems are pretty strong. Hopefully Cincinnati gets that strong eventually, but... We'll see. Also, Cedar Rapids is your second playoff team in the first half at 39-31. Tied with the Burlington Bees, but I believe Cedar Rapids did better in the series against Burlington. Burlington being the Angels single-A team of Los Angeles. No longer of Anaheim, although they're still in Anaheim, but there you go. That's seven straight years that the Colonels have made the playoffs. They're the single-A of the Minnesota Twins. So, the Dragons, a 10-game winning streak, lots of excitement, and it's nice to see, you know, Dayton not get to the 50-loss plateau. I think it was 2016 where we were all kind of watching, seeing how many losses until 100 Dayton got to 97 that year. But I say we, I mean, you know, we were watching, seeing if, you know, things would get that bad. That was also Nick Senzel's. Only time in Dayton, that second half. Wonder what he's doing. Oh, yeah, he's with the Reds, and he's awesome. We'll talk a little bit about the Reds after the break. We're going to stick with Dayton, and we're going to talk about Dayton Dutch Lions soccer. Now, Dayton Dutch Lions soccer started late May, and as you might know, I'm their public address announcer. And tonight, there is a women's game versus the Cleveland Ambassadors. That is a pretty big name. In fact, on the scoreboard, they're probably just going to have to be known as Clee or Doors, Dors, D O R S. I'll decide that when I get there. Anyway, Dutch Lions, the men's team, solid season thus far. They will host first-place Chicago SC United tomorrow. Fell quickly 2-0 in their last home battle with Chicago FC United. Managed to get a goal late in the second half, but it was too little too late. And Dayton dropped that contest with Chicago FC United. Currently 3-3 three and three on the year. Picked up a big win at Flint City last week. That's the former Michigan Bucks team. Tate Robertson, very strong midfielder. Tristan Lyle, former Wright State Raider. What's nice about Dutch Lions soccer is if you follow local college soccer, there's a lot of local names that will pop out right at you. There's a couple names. Jake Stovall, former Wright State Raider, now part of the coaching staff with the Centerville Elks. He's in the mix. I mean, last year the crew drafted a Dayton Dutch Lion in J.J. Williams out of UK. That's University of Kentucky, not United Kingdom. There's not a lot of soccer left. What stinks about both sides is you blink and the season's over. I mean, the last game for Dayton is on the road at Flint City again, July 13th, where the season begins May 18th. The season goes quick. If you don't stop and pay attention now, you might miss it. Whereas the women's side in the WPSL, a lot more local players on there, a lot more local teams, like Cincinnati's got a team, Dayton, Motor City beat Detroit area, Ann Arbor, Cleveland, I want to say Toledo had a team, but that's not sounding right, but you get my drift. That's a 10-game slate, 10-match slate, sorry, a 10-match slate for the WPSL side, which we'll talk about. The women's side. They won their first match quite beautifully against Ann Arbor FC, Lumberjills 5-2, to but since then have been on a five-match slide. Lost the two games in Michigan to AAFC 3-0 and Motor City 6-0 before dropping a contest with Cincinnati 3-0, where we didn't get the numbers for the other team until about three minutes ago, and I almost twisted my ankle and... I did fall on my butt because it was a rainy day. Let's talk about the rain. It's raining a lot. There you go. So the women Dutch Lions have two more home matches counting tonight. Dayton will also host Motor City this Sunday, June 23rd at 5 p.m. All the home matches are at Dayton Outpatient Center Stadium on the campus of West Carrollton High School. Very reasonable for ticket prices. What I saw kids get in, three bucks. I think there's an age limit. Want to say eight and under are free, and adults are just five bucks. It's very, very good entertainment. Like I mentioned, two strong teams. Women are on a slide. The men are looking to rebound from a tough loss to first place Chicago SC United. It's it's exciting time, and I'm I'm pumped to be a part of the team. Great athletes, a lot of fun. Getting back to announcing soccer or just announcing full stop. I do have a break between mid July and now mid August, but eh, that's alright. So definitely come out, watch these Dutch Lions play. I mentioned the women have two home matches left. The next women's one's tonight at 7 at Dock against the Cleveland Ambassadors. And the last one is. June 23rd at 5 against Motor City. For the men's side, there are a couple more. There is one tomorrow against Chicago FC United. That is a 6 o'clock kickoff. First kick, excuse me. And then the Dayton squad battles Cincinnati at NKU the 21st. That would be Friday at 7 o'clock. Before coming back home to face the Cincinnati Dutch Lions June 28th at 7 p.m. And that will be Everybody Counts Night. What I really like is there is a special theme and there's special events that happen during these matches. So come on out and enjoy yourself some good quality football or soccer if you like football as high school football. Which, by the way, starts August. Not too much longer, about two months. I think about a month will be two-a-days. Now we look at the Cincinnati Dutch Lions, as soon as I figure out where the schedule button is. I know we talk about the Reds while I swing down the Cincinnati, but to tell you a little bit about Cincinnati staying on the pitch, seven home matches, seven away, and the next home match is going to be Friday, June 21st at 7 against Dayton. Coming off a scoreless draw at West Virginia where, hey, guess what? Rain played a factor. They called it after the 85th minute. From what I saw on Twitter, which by the way, the gentleman that does that, does very very solid work and is quick with the keyboard. I mean, when he was there for the first Cincy at Dayton game match, I just hear him type along like He's he's got away with the keyboard. That's very impressive. Which, by the way, if you'd like to follow on Twitter, um, Dragons is Dragons Baseball. Uh, Dayton Dutch Lions on Twitter is Dayton Dutch Lion. And Cincinnati Dutch Lions are Cincinnati DLFC. Like I mentioned, next home match is against the Dayton foes Friday, June 21st. And then the next one is June 30th, Sunday at 7 against the Flint City Bucks, And that's the last home match. Of the regular season for Cincy. They will be at Dayton Friday, June 28th at 7 p.m. Looking forward to that match because it is a good local squad. The Dayton Dutch Lions, they have three wins, two losses, and three draws. That's currently their record. They're in a very competitive Great Lakes division with Dayton, Flint City, also Chicago FC United, their first year in the Great Lakes. And also the West Virginia Alliance FC. Notice that Derby City's not in the mix. That was Louisville's then PDL, now USL League 2 squad. They folded before this year started. And like I mentioned, they play at Northern Kentucky University, Cincinnati's Dutch Lions do, at 500 Louis B. Nunn Drive, Highland Heights, Kentucky. Literally just take 471, and I think it's one of the first... Exits after it ends at 275, I think. It's been a while since I've been at NKU. Beautiful pitch. Beautiful scenery there. And now we'll take a quick breather and come back with Cincinnati Reds, Cincinnati's MLS squad, which is FC Cincinnati, and also the Columbus Crew and Columbus Destroyers pick up their first win. When was that? You'll find out after this quick breather. Hey, you know what else I forgot? It's Mallon's Mailbag. In the middle of this episode, because, of course, that's how I do things, we had two questions in the mailbag. and first one is from my friends at the Norfolk Kentucky Norse Hockey Program. Why do you enjoy broadcasting high school hockey? I don't just enjoy broadcasting high school hockey. I enjoy broadcasting as a whole. But in terms of high school hockey in Southwest Ohio... Not every school has it. In fact, there's a lot of schools that don't have it compared to the schools that do have hockey. So, it feels like a closer-knit family. You get to meet so many people, learn about their stories, and that's always a treat. In terms of broadcasting, I enjoy it because as a kid, that's what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be a broadcaster. I mean... Since leaving college, would I think this trek would be as difficult as it's been? No. thought I would have found something by now, but that's neither here nor there. I enjoy broadcasting. I like the people. I like the sports, the action, and I like meeting new folks. So that's the whole thing to the question. That's from Nky Norse on Twitter. And to Joey, bag of donuts. How bad are the Bengals going to be this year? Well, I don't see them win the Super Bowl, but I don't see them at a two and fourteen clip. Do I see them under five hundred? Probably, probably six and ten, seven and nine. It's my stab at it. I want these Bengals to do well, and I think the culture is changing, but culture change only takes you so far I mean the AFC North I mean Cleveland's starting to stack up and look like you know an actual football franchise (gasps) then who's going to be the punching bag I hope not the Bengals Pittsburgh I mean you lost Antonio Brown to the Raiders well lost gang to some Steelers fans views I had to record because I said Antonio Bryant wrong Antonio Brown is no longer there. But I think Juju will step up. Smith-Schuster, not Juju, who's on the beat, apparently. I think Smith-Schuster sets up, will be a nice WR1. I think James Conner has a strong second year. I mean, I do worry about the other running backs coming in and taking over some of Conner's snaps. I mean, Pittsburgh's there. I think the defense has been stacked. Baltimore is Baltimore. I mean, they're solid. Just waiting to see what Lamar Jackson does in his sophomore season with the Ravens. It's still a tough AFC North. I don't think they're going to be putrid. But I don't think they're going to have a winning season either. We shall see. And that concludes Mowen's Mailbag. On to Part 2 of Episode 101. Hey, did you enjoy that break? Well, good. Anyway, a little piece of news that slipped out yesterday from Dayton Daily News Sports, Dayton Sports on Twitter. Bengals to open training camp with practice July 27th at Welcome Stadium in Dayton. In case you're interested in such things, which I am, visit Bengals.com. I believe they have everything there. I think parking you have to pay for, but... to get to see the Bengals at Welcome Stadium, that's pretty cool. In fact, I think they go a couple places, and it's open to the public, so I think they go a couple places with open-to-the-public practices type of thing. So July 27th, and I believe the players start practicing around 2 p.m. If I remember they release the other day. So now we talk about Cincinnati Reds. The team that frustrates you, but when they win, it's satisfying. Currently, 32 and 38 overall, not in last place in the NL Central. That would be the Pittsburgh Pirates, a half game back of the Reds, with one more loss. 32-39 is Pittsburgh, but the Reds are 4-6 in the last 10. However, picked up a pretty big win against the Houston Astros, three to two last night. Nick Senzel bringing home some runs. And Michael Lorenzen shutting the door after manager David Bell pulled Rysel Iglesias off the mound. The next run scored by the Reds, which will probably be tonight, will be Cincinnati's 300th on the season, which would be the fifth team to do so in the NL Central. However, the Reds still have given up 260 runs, and that's still the lowest in the NL. And looking through the AL... 242 by Tampa Bay That's not bad I mean the pitching is there The hitting just needs to get it together I think you have a pretty solid Cincinnati squad Seven games back of first place Milwaukee, Brewers are 40-32 and 32, And six and a half back Of the Chicago Cubs For a wild card spot I think the Reds are doing okay I mean last year Do you remember what the Reds did this time? Mostly lost and yes, I'll bring up 3-18 and 18 again, but there you go. As we look at the stats now as of June 18th, the batting averages have went up on most of the players. I mean, take a look at Jose Iglesias, who's still one of my favorite ads on the team, along with Derek Dietrich. Iglesias leads the Reds with a two eighty-nine batting average, but not too far behind is backup catcher Kirk Casale, who I think has worked himself up in the starters role since Barnhart is struggling at 199 at the moment 288 for Casale I mean this team once they start hitting the ball and doing it with some bit of regularity I think this team can make noise not guaranteeing a playoff spot now but they can make some noise I mean heck they're four and two against the Cubs great season let's wrap it up no I'm just kidding But that 4-2 against the Cubs mark is pretty nice. Looking at the batting averages, I mean, Nixon sell 266 his first season with the Reds. Suarez, 43 RBIs to lead the squad, just in second place behind with six less. Derek Dietrich at 37. This Reds team can make some noise. And are they a frustrating bunch? Yeah, I Didn't think that the Reds should have lost that series against the Texas Rangers at home, but credit Texas. They got on the board first all three games, and the Reds made it battle that Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday. And We go to the pitching. Like I mentioned, least amount of runs given up in the NL, second least in the entire majors, only behind Tampa Bay. Looking at the ERAs. They're not too shabby. I mean, your highest one is 5.96. That's Wandi Peralta. Guess how many times I had to restart the recording just to say Wandi correctly, not Waltie or Walt or W. But there you go. Wandi Peralta, currently the highest ERA. And we look in terms of starters. Or saves that works too. Iglesias has 13 of them. Lorenzo three. Lorenzo picked up his third last night against Houston. Let's do that ERA thing. For starters, I mean, Tyler malley has got the highest ERA of the starting five, 4.33. Actually, Deisclafani does at 4.43. I forgot it doesn't do the order like that. 15 starts for Castillo. 2.26 ERA. A little rough yesterday with the walks, but managed to keep the Reds in the game. So, definitely a 7-1 record. Definitely a great season for Castillo. Looking at the base on balls, to strikeout ratio. Base on balls being walks, of course. Castillo really shining. 103-44. Like I mentioned, I think he walked 6 Astros last night. But still... 79 strikeouts for Gray, just 27 walks. 74 strikeouts for Roark, 27 walks. 64Ks for Disco Man, 21 walks for DiSclefani and Malley. 73 strikeouts, 17 walks. So the ratios aren't bad. In fact, I'm looking through the entire red staff and really the closest one, (laughs) I guess it'd be Cody Reed, 7 strikeouts, 1 walk. I mean, that's how... That's how spectacular the strikeouts are. The batting averages... I mean, Castillo leads the Reds. 1.75 for starters. And Bowman, out of the bullpen. 125 batting average. That's really, really good. Robert Stevenson not doing too bad. 162, but I think he's rehabbing at the moment. We look at the fielding, too, to crunch those numbers. Terms of errors... You have Suarez with eight, Peraza with four, Votto with four, Iglesias with three, Farmer with two, Farmer playing mostly second base. I think he's a catcher by trade, but he fits in whatever he can. Two on pitcher Gray, two on Zinzel. Remember, Zinzel is not an outfielder by trade. He's a third baseman and an infielder by trade, but he said, hey, whatever it takes. And a couple more down the line. I mean, The numbers aren't bad, and if you remember last year, it's just what went right on that team, you know? I think that this squad will make some noise, not promising a playoff spot. It's also Marty Brenneman's last year, so I hope the Reds get a playoff spot for him. Maybe even a World Series, too. That'd be cool. That would be cool, but, you know, the other teams might have a few things to say about that. We'll go back to the standings and tell you the other leaders in the NL as soon as it loads. Milwaukee, like I mentioned, leading the NL Central, 40-32. and 32. Atlanta leading the NL East, 43-30. and 30. And three games up on Philadelphia. Harper is not worth that much. Oh, I'm sorry. That just slipped out. Harper is not worth that much money. But there you go. Philly, seven games over 500 in second place. Then it's New York, Washington, Miami who has got 45 losses. That's the most out of the NL. And we look at the West. Dodgers, 48-25. They're in first place by a whopping 10 games over Colorado and Arizona. San Diego, one game under 500. The Padres have turned it around. There's a lot of names that I see from my Padre-following friends on Twitter. And there's Tatis Jr. I mean, there's a lot of former Fort Wayne tin caps. Like, hey, I saw you in Dayton when you were a tin cap. And your number font was atrocious. Also, a special thank you to the Fort Wayne 10 Caps for wearing those jerseys with that special number font the entire series. But I digress. In the American League, New York Yankees leading the East 44-27. Tampa Bay a game and a half back 43-29. Minnesota leading the Central at 47-24. It's amazing what Baldelli and the Twins are able to do with this turnaround the Cleveland Indians are 10 games back of the Twins 37-34 and Houston leads the AL West 48-25 eight up on Texas I thought Texas was a little bit lower in the standings so maybe that comment that I thought we should have won the series maybe a little premature but hey Oakland's in third place LA Angels in fourth place Seattle after that great start to the season have plummeted to fifth that would be last place so that's your MLB look talked a little bit about Dayton Dragons in part one and I think the Dragons can make it to the playoffs but they have five other teams looming nearby out of the possible six teams I can get it now and now we talk about Major League Soccer We look at the standings, and if you're a fan of either Ohio squad, there's not a lot of good news for you. FC Cincinnati is in last place. They're picking up .69 of a point per game. Here come all the nice comments, but there you go. Three wins, 11 losses, and two draws. For FC Cincinnati, Columbus is not doing so well either they are just six points up on fc cincinnati one point up on new england the crew have really tumbled as of late two. five wins nine losses two draws not great to see both ohio squads in the bottom of the eastern conference of the mos but with fc cincinnati you kind of were you expecting a cup run first year i don't know what i was expecting anymore but i wasn't expecting last place In case you're wondering who are in the playoff circle, it's Philadelphia, Montreal, D.C. United, Atlanta United, New York Red Bulls, New York City FC, and Toronto FC. Outside the bubble, along with Columbus and FC Cincinnati, Orlando City, Chicago, and New England. Take a look at the West, the Los Angeles Football Club, followed by the LA Galaxy, So, L.A. has two winning soccer clubs in the Western Conference. Ahead of Seattle, Houston, FC Dallas, Minnesota, and Real Salt Lake. And in case you're curious who's not making the playoffs that the season ended today in the Western Conference, San Jose, Vancouver, Sporting Kansas City. You know, instead of the non-Sporting Kansas City. Colorado and Portland. Colorado is no longer in the basement. Portland is. It's a little surprising, but the Rapids have turned it around. By turn around, I mean they're doing better than Portland is. Although, by points per game, Portland still has a better average on that, but hey, that's what you get. Still, hell is real that rivalry with SC Cincinnati Columbus won't start for another two months, a little less than two months now in Columbus. So, there you go. And speaking of Columbus, how about some Arena Football League? Yes, I know it's not Cincinnati or Dayton, but as I mentioned on most of my podcasts, I will talk about pro-Columbus sports. We'll not talk about Ohio State or any college in Columbus, unless there is an immediate, you know, Cincinnati Dayton connection. But since Cincinnati or Dayton don't have AFL, NHL, didn't have MLS until this season... That's why I talk about it. So there you go. The Destroyers are having a rough year. But Columbus did pick up their first win at home. It was on Pride Night. And it was also against the Atlantic City Blackjacks, which is also a first-year franchise in this AFL. Your Destroyers are 1-7 overall. At home, 1-3. and three. Away, 0-4 oh, along with Atlantic City. The Destroyers have scored 279 points, allowed 351, which is not the highest, but the point differential is at negative 72. Well, I guess it'd be the lowest, but in terms of negative, it's the highest. It's also the cheesiest, but there you go. Albany is 7-1. They got the best point spread at plus 79 Followed by Baltimore at 5-3, Washington and Philadelphia at 4-4, four four, Atlantic City 3-5, and, and Columbus 1-7. That's your standings as of the 16th of June. And for being first year, I, I love that the Destroyers are back. Still a little puzzled why it's the Oakland Raider look now. It's motochrome instead of the red, white, and blue, just like the Blue Jackets colors. I don't know if they were owned by the same people. I don't know if they were. They played it nationwide, which Columbus is doing now. But I love that the Destroyers are back. And I hope that they continue to grow. And I hope they stay. I mean, for the AFL's sake, I mean, six teams isn't going to cut it next year. You're going to have to do at least ten. But we'll we'll see how that works. Try to see if I can find the attendance on here but it looks like that is not going to happen this is the start of week nine on thursday baltimore is at washington i believe that's right atlantic city is at albany and philadelphia is at columbus and then the destroyers will have the early game week 10 next week the 28th against baltimore in case you do want to see the destroyers they're on local tv in columbus but i think they're also on espn 3 i think might be espn plus but they're at nationwide I think tickets are really reasonable i'd like to see them or at least get some gear before the season's over but i don't know if that's in the cards tough start but i hope that the destroyers are here to stay and lastly, to kick off episode 101 and finish it off in style, congrats go out to the Coldwater Cavaliers. They won their seventh Division Three Baseball State Championship. And congratulations to the Chaminade Julian Eagles for winning their second straight Division II Baseball State Championship. That's a way to go after a very long, successful career for head coach Mike Barhorst always nice to see the local teams do well and that's something that this podcast tries to celebrate and that will do it for episode 101 episode 102 is scheduled to be next week thought about doing a two episode week to catch up this week but uh now it's not on the cards especially my work schedule it it just won't work so We'll talk to you again for episode 102. Please visit the forums and the wonderful folks at OvertimeHeroics.com, as this is now part of the Overtime Heroics Podcasting Network. great bunch of folks, similar minds. We love sports, and we don't care who knows. Compared to that guy, Steve. Of course, guy is another word, but I can't say that word on here because, you know, it's a clean podcast. It's for families, it's for everyone spread the word you can follow on twitter at the lee w that's where you can follow my crusade to bring you local sports and to overall be myself i guess i don't know how to finish that sentence also gem on queen crown on twitter that's where you can find podcast notes and updates and all the like And give the Facebook page a like, please. The Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Episode 102, what's it going to be? I don't know. But you'll find out next week. Until then, this is Lee W. Mallon signing off. It's good to be back, and thanks for listening. Overtime Heroics. Join the forums for free at OvertimeHeroics.com. Rise Up Podcast Community bit.ly slash community This has been another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast closing theme by James Anderson from freepd.com. Follow the podcaster on Twitter at The Lee W. Mallon, spelled T H E L E W M O W E N, and the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday Sports podcast, please visit The slash podcast Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit the lwmallon.com and click contact me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.